Welcome to all of you. So glad you could be here on the last day of 2016. And what a great day to begin a new life in Jesus, right? So we've just watched a baptism, but all of us have that same privilege to do that today again too, don't we? So we're looking forward to it. Before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Father, in the quietness of this moment, we pause now to ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. As we consider today's teaching from your word, we ask for understanding and conviction. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm hoping that you've had a good holiday season and maybe some time to rest. Maybe you made some memories to share. How about it? Did you? Yeah, a few. Today we often take photos and they show up on Facebook, don't they? <laughs> and um, some of you have done that probably. Other types of social media. But um, there's still one place that we can store memories to, and that's right here, isn't it? When Jesus was with his disciples, he encouraged them to remember. To remember. And I'm sure he was speaking to us as well. So today, our message will follow Jesus' instructions, and we're going to remember some things together as we uh, consider what is the sign of love complete. What is the sign of love complete? The road was dusty and congested with lots of people. They were headed to Jerusalem for the Passover, and Jesus and his disciples were on the road in the dust, walking the road from Bethany to Jerusalem. The disciples were not aware, though Jesus had tried to tell them, that this was the last Passover that they would have with Jesus. Anyway, they had something else on their minds. The children were playing catch me if you can or something like that. I'm sure it had a different name. And they were shouting to one another and they were running in and around among all the adults and other children and uh, the animals as well because there were donkeys braying. I think that's hee-haw, (laughs) hee-haw. And um, there were sheep bleeding and buying and whatever. And babies were crying. And there was also lots of laughter because these people... We're catching up on what's been happening in your life, just like maybe we did over Christmas with some of our relatives and friends. Perhaps you can remember and relate to such a noisy time. Uh, You know, quite honestly, being from East Tennessee, I'm a hillbilly, it's normal for us to just all talk at the same time, (laughs) and it's always noisy when we get together. So I understand what was happening there. And, of course, the children ran around and made lots of noise, too. I I truly miss those times, so I have to move on now because I might just cry. (laughs) As the families continued toward Jerusalem, everyone seemed to make a different kind of noise, so it was really noisy. Yet somehow, in spite of all the noise, the disciples were able to hear well enough to have a conversation. Actually, it wasn't a conversation. They were having an argument So it was probably pretty loud. An argument about who was the greatest among them. Specifically, who's going to sit on the right and the left 
of Jesus when he comes into his kingdom. They didn't get it, did they? Maybe we don't either. Maybe we don't get it. The disciples were especially angry with James and John and, their, and his mother. And um, so here they are on their way to the last Passover supper with Jesus. And they're arguing. They're still arguing. Two of the disciples are not in the group because Jesus had asked them to go ahead to Jerusalem. There was lots of people headed to Jerusalem, probably limited places to stay. And so he asked them to go ahead and arrange for a room where they could all celebrate the Passover together later that evening. So when Jesus and the rest of the disciples arrived, they would have a place to have the supper together, to sit down. In making the arrangements for the room, the person, the the disciples that uh, made arrangements also for a servant to wash the feet, which was a custom then. Walking on dusty roads, their sandals got dirty, and they always had a servant wash the people's feet. Um, But the servant had not come. So there was no servant. So they all just sat there, each one determined not to be the one to stoop to the role of a servant. After all, they'd just been talking about royalty, how they were the ones designed to be part of the royalty of Jesus' kingdom. So in silence, can you imagine this? The minutes just passed, and they all just sat there. In fact, as I was reading this week, um, I was reminded they weren't really sitting. They were lying on couches. The couches came toward the table, and their feet were back there, making it convenient for the servant to wash their feet. So they're kind of lying there, waiting for somebody to wash their feet. What happened next is recorded for us in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. And we're going to read verses 4 through 17. Uh, Today we don't have um, slides on the screen. And so you need to look in your Bibles. And if you don't have it with you, uh, one of your own with you, there's few Bibles, of course. So this is going to be on uh, page 726 in the Pew Bible. So this is what happened. Jesus stood up and he removed his outer robe And he took a towel and he tucked it in his waist and he poured water into a basin and he started to wash each man's feet. As he came around the circle, he came to Peter. And I know you've heard this before, but today we're remembering, aren't we? We're remembering what happened then. Peter said, Lord, you're the son of God. You are not going to wash my feet. You're not going to lower yourself. Jesus looked at Peter and this is what he said. Right now you don't understand why I'm doing this, but after I'm gone, you will. But Peter continued to protest. He said, I'm not letting my God wash my feet. Then Jesus said, if you won't let me wash your feet, Peter, then you're too proud to be my disciple. Peter's response was quick. He said, Lord, don't stop with my feet. Wash me all over. That's Peter, isn't it? (laughs) And um, in the book, Desire of Ages, written by Ellen White, this is on page 644, this is what she writes. She said, Jesus' act of service opened the eyes of the disciples. Bitter shame and humiliation filled their hearts. They understood the unspoken rebuke 
and saw themselves in an altogether new light. The disciples' selfish spirit filled Jesus with sorrow, but he entered into no controversy with him regarding the difficulty. Instead, he gave them an example they would never forget. One of the last acts of his life on earth was to gird himself as a servant and perform a servant's part. I'm hoping that today we don't forget that either, that that's an example that we remember too. We might say this was a, an example or a sign of love complete. Let's return now to the Gospel of John. This is going to be chapter 13, uh, verses 12 through 17. And I'm going to be reading from Clear Word. It's a modern language paraphrase of the Bible by Jack Blanco. We're going to be beginning with verse 12. So that's John chapter 13, verse 12. So after he had washed all of the disciples' feet, he put his robe back on, sat down at the table and said, now let me explain why I washed your feet. You call me Lord, and that's right, because I am your Lord. So if I'm willing to do anything to serve you, even what you consider a menial task, like washing dirty feet, you should be willing to do the same for one another. How demeaning it might seem to you. I've given you an example of love. That's how I want you to love each other. You see, a disciple should not feel that he's above doing what his master does, nor should he who is sent on a mission feel greater than the one who sends them. If you understand what I'm saying and do it, you'll be happy. That evening in the upper room, Jesus was speaking not only to the 12 disciples, he was also speaking to all who call them Lord, to call him Lord. He was speaking to us who have gathered here today for communion. He's asked us to remember what what he did that evening, and so we do. This is the reason the Seventh-day Adventist Church begins the communion service by washing each other's feet, a ceremony instituted by Jesus. But it's not just a ceremony, is it? Or a ritual for the sake of tradition. It's a time for heart searching, a time for asking forgiveness, a time for making wrongs right, and it's a time for celebrating. Celebrating the forgiveness and cleansing that is available to all of us because the Son of God humbled himself not only to wash our feet but to die on the cross at Calvary. Paul in his letter to the Philippians points us to the cross of Calvary and Christ's ultimate humiliation on our behalf. In Philippians chapter 2, and this is going to be on page 790 if you're using the Pew Bible, We're going to begin with verse 2. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. We read Paul's message to the Philippians. I'm again reading from the clear word. Paul says, if you want to make me completely happy, be united, show the same love for everyone, and be one in spirit and purpose. But don't do this because you want to make a name for yourself among other Christians. Be humble and considerate of others. Don't think you're the only one who has all the answers. Don't become totally absorbed in your own spiritual growth, but take an interest in other people and help them to grow too. 
You need to have the same love for people that Jesus had. From all eternity, Christ had the very nature of God. But it never entered his mind to go back to heaven to show off his power to the whole universe. Though he was human, he was still God. In fact, Jesus was willing to put self aside like a servant, which does not detract from his equality with God, even though he took on man's nature. As a human being, he obeyed God in everything, even when God led him to Calvary to die on a cross for us. And so that's why we begin our communion service with what we call the ordinance of humility, remembering how Jesus humbled himself and washed the disciples' feet, but also remembering his ultimate act of humiliation at Calvary, when he, the perfect and unblemished sacrificial lamb, the Son of God, died the death of the vilest sinner. It has been said that wherever the ordinance of humility is celebrated according to Jesus' example, the children of God may be brought into a holy relationship to help and bless others. May this be our experience today.